Well, like Jason said, we have officially entered the Christmas season, right? Yes. Everywhere you go, it is Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. It has officially begun now that it's December. Well, for some of you, it began at the same time Hobby Lobby began it back in August, and you already had your tree out back then. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you brought your tree out in September or anything like that. But for those of us that waited till December to begin to celebrate Christmas, it is here. And so for all of our campus, whether you're joining us online down in Fredericksburg or here in the room at Stafford, we're going to play a little game and I need your participation here, okay? And so if you're online, uh, I know you can't physically raise a hand like we can in the room, but there are these little two hands raised in praise. Let's use those as the hand raise emoji. So push that. I've got just a couple questions for you this morning to ask as we talk about Christmas. So just with a show of hands, how many of you have done all of your Christmas shopping already? Overachievers, man. I'm not gonna, I would raise my hand if it's like, have you not even started? That's me, right? Like, I, there's a couple people there, okay? So, how about this one? How many of you uh, participate on either Black Friday or Cyber Monday sales? A lot of you. So, uh, uh, as a confession, as your pastor, I don't really participate in those because I get really confused. What happens is, like, on Black Friday, I see a deal and I'm like, that's a great deal but what happens if it's cheaper on Cyber Monday? And so I'm torn, like, do I hold out and wait for it to be cheaper, but then Cyber Monday may come and it's sold out and then I can't get it? Or what if it's not on sale on Cyber Monday, but it was on sale? And it just, it overwhelms me and I just don't buy anything at all because I don't wanna buy something and then find out it was cheaper three days later and so I just give up. Um, it's too confusing. I remember the malls, right? That was a thing. So uh, here's the last question, and, and this is for, uh, we want to find out who these people are. How many of you have ever gotten a Christmas gift and re-gifted it? Show of hands. Yep, Fredericksburg, come on, hands up. Yeah. How many of you, anyone gotten a gift this year already and already re-gifted it? Anyone done that yet? Just me and my wife, just a couple, yeah. So uh, another moment of confession here. My wife and I went to a staff Christmas party on Friday night, and we won a gift. Saturday morning at 11, we re-gifted that at a different Christmas party. We didn't even have the thing 12 hours. Like, we were like, we don't. And then, even worse, I made my wife re-gift this gift. And at the Christmas party, the second one, she had me go steal it back so that we could take it back home. So we received it, re-gifted it, and then stole it and took it back home all in 14 hours. It was just a whirlwind of events for us there. And so, yeah, um, it was a great. So I'm excited as we begin a new series today titled Hope Has a Name. And I'm just curious, and don't raise your hands for this, this is more just for you to process internally. I'm just curious for those of you, have you ever had a moment in your life where you felt hopeless? Where you felt like this, this problem, this, this thing in front of me, this thing that I'm going through, this, this obstacle, this decision, this, this, this thing that is happening is so difficult, it's so monumental, it's so massive, it's so overwhelming that I feel hopeless. But someone or something gave you the right news at the right time, and it made you feel different. I read this story about World War II, and it was a prison camp in Nazi Germany, and it was about the Allied, you know, the Americans who were there in this prison camp. And the story tells us that these, these Allied prisoners were just defeated. They would, they would walk around this camp with their, with their backs hunched, their shoulders slouched, and just this downcast face because they knew from the bottom of their heart that they were never getting out of this place. They were, they were malnourished. They were underfed. The, 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 the guards, the Nazi guards didn't take care of them very well. They knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, this place that I'm in, this prison that I'm in will be the end of my life and I'm never going 
anywhere. I'm going to die here. And they had given up hope. And the author of this story says the very next morning, as he was describing this, the next morning, something changed. The, the, the guards did nothing different. They didn't all of a sudden decide to feed the prisoners any differently. They didn't decide to let them have any extra privileges. But he, he says what would happen is you would start to notice that these prisoners, these allied prisoners who normally would stick to themselves and just have this downcast look, were all of a sudden the very next morning gathering around each other in huddles talking and laughing. The author says that overnight something changed. What is it? What happened? He says that over the night period, uh, a transistor radio had been smuggled in. And for the first time, these Allied prisoners heard the news that Allied forces had landed on the beach in Normandy and were making their way inland towards Berlin. Their reality didn't change. Their circumstances didn't change. But good news delivered at the right moment, good news delivered at the right time, can change everything. Good news can change everything. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9 is where we'll be. And while you're turning there, I just want to take a moment and encourage you. Uh, for those of you that, that call the Mount your home, this is your, your church family, I just want to encourage you that as we move into this Christmas season, this, this Christmas season, the, the kind of the, the month of December, offers us more potential than any other time of the year to share the good news that is Jesus. There's no other natural time of the year where our friends and our coworkers and our neighbors are asking us, why is Jesus such a big deal? What is so important about this baby? Why do we celebrate it the way we do? And I just want to encourage you. This is the, the season where you can naturally share the gospel, the good news of Jesus, your faith more easily than any other time of the year. This is a time of the year where you can invite people to church easier than any other time of the year. And throughout the month of December, we've got this series in our, in our Christmas services, all five of them here in Stafford and all, all two of them down at Fred, Fredericksburg. And then online, we've got two as well. And we would love for you to begin to think about who in your circle of influence can you be inviting that might need to hear the good news of Jesus this Christmas season. And, and I get it. Maybe you're like, Adam, I, I, don't, I don't feel equipped to like begin to, to share my faith yet. That's okay. Uh, baby steps, right? I, I'm reminded of one of my favorite stories in scripture, uh, Philip and Nathaniel, where Philip, Philip met Jesus and Jesus changed his life and radically told him some things. And Philip's first reaction was to go to Nathaniel, his friend, and say, hey, I just met this guy named Jesus and he's the Messiah. He's the savior of the world. And Philip kind of, or Nathaniel kind of doubts it. And Philip, not knowing what to say, he just says, listen, listen. He says, just come and see. And the power of his invitation to just say, I don't have all the explanation. I don't know all the things there is to know, but just come and see this guy named Jesus. Come and see what he is doing and your life will be changed. Listen, we at the Mount, one of our values is inviting. We are people who invite. So let me just encourage you this season. As people are asking questions about the baby Jesus, who can you be saying to? Just, just, just come and see. Just come and see this God who has changed my life and we worship him and we gather with him. Just, just get in his presence and your life will be different. And so this morning we're in Isaiah chapter nine. 
Isaiah is a book in the Old Testament, kind of the, the first half of the Bible, uh, kind of the, the Old Testament people of God, kind of pre-Jesus in this moment. And it's a, it's a prophetic book, which basically means that Isaiah is a book where Isaiah was a prophet. He was a, kind of the voice, a, a messenger of God to the nation of Israel, the, the Old Testament people of God. And he's telling them this prophecy about something that is to come. And Isaiah is a complicated book because part of the prophecy that Isaiah is saying was immediate prophecy for the nation of Israel back in the Old Testament times. It was related to Assyria and the different empires that are surrounding them. But there are parts of it, and a lot of Old Testament prophecy has sort of this, this double meaning, like think bifocals when you read things. You've got the near and the far. And there's part of Isaiah where he's saying, this isn't the near, this is the far, the future that is coming. And he gives this prophecy in the middle couple chapters about this future Messiah, this future king who will be a savior. And he says this about him. And I'm gonna start actually in verse um, in, in chapter 7, but before we get there, you need to understand the context that he's actually speaking into. So Israel at the time was a nation um, that had been divided into two. You have the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And the northern kingdom of Israel uh, is, is in a mess. What happened was the Assyrians, the, the big bad Assyrians who were kind of like sweeping all over the known world, capturing everyone, killing everyone, and taking them all into captivity, had invaded the northern kingdom of Israel and taken all of the people, God's people there, into captivity. And so you're the southern kingdom, sees this happening, they, they hear the rumors of what's happening, and they begin to panic. They know that they are next. The, their, their, their nation is at a, is a dark, despairing time. They know that what is about to happen to them is what just happened to the northern kingdom and every other kingdom. And it says the people are walking in darkness. They're afraid, they're terrified, they're worried, they're, they're, they're confused, and it's just a mess of things that are going on in their minds right now. There, there's political unrest, there's social, uh, it's just chaos, anarchy. And Isaiah, 700 years before the birth of Christ, steps in and he delivers a message to them. And I'm going to start in, in chapter 7, and you can just stay in chapter 9 because I'm just going to read one verse. Chapter 7, verse 14, it says this. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign, and the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and call him Emmanuel, or God with us. And it continues in chapter 9, verses 5 and 6, or verse 6. It says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah says, listen, listen, I know, I know things are a mess. I know Israel, the, Judah, the, the southern kingdom, I know that we are in chaos right now, and it seems hopeless, and it seems like we have no future, and it seems overwhelming, and it seems like there is nothing we can do to move forward. But guess what? Hope is coming there is a savior who is coming. And he lists these, what, are, what theologians call throne names. These, these names that were given to kings to describe their, their character, their quality, or their actions. And he says the king that is coming, the future one who is coming, who will make everything better, he is a wonderful counselor. He is a mighty God. He is an everlasting father. And he is the prince of peace. And then verse seven continues with this. He says, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. In the midst of their hopelessness, 
when the enemy is surrounding them, when the northern kingdom's falling and is vanquished, when everything seems to be going wrong in utter darkness, Isaiah steps in and gives them hope and says that hope has a name and he is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, and the prince of peace. Good news delivered at the right moment can change everything. What about you this morning? I I wish we knew each other better than we did, right? But maybe, do you feel hopeless? Is there something going on in your life that just feels overwhelming? It feels like no matter what you do, you you can't get your head above water. The, The weight of it is, the pressure of it is crushing you. It's making you worry and anxious and everything you do feels like you are constantly stuck in this pattern of feeling anxious and guilty and shame over and over and over again and you just can't seem to breathe and it feels despairing and you don't know what to do and you're wondering, is it ever going to end? Good news at the right moment can change everything. I just wonder this Christmas season how many of us could use some good news. Listen, lean in, okay? Here's some good news. Jesus is your wonderful counselor. He is your wonderful counselor. What what does that mean? We use the word, we use the word wonderful to describe all kinds of things, right? Like like we say, like someone asks us how we're doing, and we say, wonderful right? Someone, we go to dinner at a new restaurant and someone asks us afterwards, how was your dinner? And we say, Wonderful. right? We, we, we have a, a great holiday or a great weekend. When we get back to the office on Monday, people are like, oh man, how was your weekend? How was your holiday? We say, Wonderful. right? Uh, our wife tries on a new dress and she says, how do I look? And we say, Wonderful. yeah, you're at Walmart or Target and someone says, how's your new pastor? And you say, Wonderful. you guys get this. Great job. Yeah. See? Man, you guys are awesome, right? Like, so the word wonderful, though, in kind of the Hebrew original language, it was this word pele, and it means beyond understanding. And you only see it about 15 times in all of Scripture, and always, every single one of those 13 to 15 times, depending on the translation, it's always used to describe God. And it always says that he is wonderful. It's used to describe when something is, is so wonderful that, that words can't even describe it. Just something that uh, we, we, we look in our English language or in the Hebrew language or in the Greek language and we just like we see it and we're like, oh, it's wonderful. I just, I just don't have the words to describe it. For instance, let me show you. This is wonderful. Like you see this and you're like, oh yeah, man, words can't describe how awesome that is, right? This is my oldest son, Emerson, by the way, not just some random kid. <laughs> But like you see this and you're like, how adorable and cute was he, right? Or or maybe this. This is my youngest son. And you see this and you're like, man, this is is wonderful. Like words can't describe this. If you were asking, if someone was saying, tell me about your son when he was a baby, I, I just mean he's wonderful. Here's the picture. You know what else is wonderful? This. Words can't describe this, right? Like, for those of you that don't know, this is John, our care pastor. So he spends a lot of time caring for cats. So, uh, I mean, you see this and words just can't describe it. Or for those of you at our Fredericksburg campus, this is wonderful as well. Our campus pastor down there, uh, Caleb. 
you see these and you're like, I don't know, even have words to describe what's happening here. These are wonderful. You can take that away now. This is going to give us nightmares. So <laughs> wonderful, right? Isaiah says when this Savior comes, he will be so great, so good that any word that we would ever want to use to describe him will fall short. He will be magnificent and awesome and, and more awesome than any words we could ever use to describe what awesome is. He will be Pele, the Greek or the original Hebrew word. He will be Pele, wonderful. And listen, I don't know where you are in your journey with Christ. Maybe you came in this morning and you have these, these presuppositions, these, these ideas coming in that there is a God and there is his son Jesus and he is all about rules and regulations and he is malevolent and he is vindictive and all he cares about is making my life not fun and no good and, and taking away everything that I love and ultimately punishing all the people who try to do something cool. No, he is wonderful. He is good. He is beyond words. In fact, he is so good and so wonderful and so loving that what we see in scripture is that every single person who comes around him in his glorified form, their only reaction, their, their only instinct, the only thing they can do in his presence is to fall down on the ground or lay down in front of him and worship him because he is so magnificent. And my prayer, if you are here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you're, you're on the fence about him, my prayer this Christmas season is that you will kind of strip away all the American Christianity culture that gets mixed in with things and you will see Jesus for the wonderful savior that he is because he is good. Not only is he wonderful, but he says, wonderful counselor, right? The Hebrew word for, for counselor is yaoetz. I love this word. It means one who advises, instructs, or guides from, and this is important, guides from a position of authority and power. This isn't that, that counselor friend that you call, right? Like late at night and you're like, hey, can I talk to you? You're never gonna believe what happened to me today. And you tell them and like, oh yeah, man, that sucks. That stinks. I can't believe that happened. Man, I would have done the same thing. That's just horrible. How, what, what do you wanna do? No, no, no. That person's not helpful. They're, they're there to listen to you, but they, they don't have any sort of power to do anything. They can't guide you or instruct you in a, any authoritative way. This, the word counselor, what it's referring to here, is someone who not only has the wisdom to know the solution to your problem, but they have the power to enact the solution to your problem. They know the, they know the answer, and they can actually make the answer come true for you. And Isaiah says, a son will be born. Speaking to the Israelites in this, this moment of despair and hopelessness, and he says, listen, a son will be born, a child will be born, and he will be called wonderful. He will be magnificent beyond words. He will be so incredible, and he will be a counselor. He will be wise, and he will know everything you need to know to live your life the way God intends for you to live it. He is a wonderful counselor. And so how, how does that apply to us? How can we walk away here knowing that Jesus this Christmas season is our wonderful counselor? The first thing, if you're taking notes, is you might write this down. Jesus is our wonderful counselor, which means he knows you. He knows you. I don't know about you, um, but it seems like sometimes life can just get chaotic. Like there's just always something happening. 
There's always difficulties. There's always hardships. Even when we think like ours isn't as bad as other people, maybe ours is way worse wherever we are on the spectrum. But regardless, life is not just a smooth road. Life is not just easy. There's always speed bumps. There's always cliffs. There's always ravines. There's always something that makes it a little tough, that makes it a little difficult. And then, let's be honest, you tack on this time of the year, Christmas, and sometimes it gets even worse. We're, we're told that, you know, we watch a Hallmark movie or a Lifetime movie or an ABC Family movie and everyone's so happy and everything's so great and they're in this picture-perfect small little town with snow and all these things are happening so great. But then we look at our lives and the people around us and it seems like that's not the reality. That's not what's true. Maybe this Christmas season you're reminded of the fact that you're, you're excited for all the people who are gathering with their family but you're reminded of the fact that you don't have a family yourself together with. Maybe... You're excited about the fact that other people have joy and you're, they're celebrating that, but all you can think of is the pain and the hurt and the loss from the past year or two. And it's heartbreaking. Maybe when everyone else is busy and their schedule is going from Christmas party to Christmas party doing this and this and this, you look at yours and you feel alone. And it just feels hard and difficult I love that this this prophecy in Isaiah, it comes to the Israelite people in a moment of hopelessness, in a moment of despair, in a moment of darkness. If you read chapter eight, it talks about how there was no light in the world. They were walking in darkness. They just felt this burden. And Isaiah comes in into their moment of need and gives them hope. I wonder this morning, This Christmas season, are you in a moment of need? Are you in a moment of need? Let me just, your wonderful counselor, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says this. Therefore, this is talking about Jesus. Therefore, since we have a great high priest, he's our our high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. We don't don't have a high priest who's like, I don't understand what they're going through. That doesn't make any sense. We don't have a high priest who's anything, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, not just some ways. He's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. And that high priest, the one who has gone through what we have gone through, the one who has suffered what we have suffered, who has felt what we felt, who feels despair, who feels aloneness, who feels brokenness, the one that suffers and feels all of those things, let us then approach him, God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Isaiah looked at the people of Israel in their time of need and said, hope is coming. Maybe this Christmas season, you find yourself in a time of need. Listen, hope is here. Jesus is your wonderful counselor. He knows what you need, and he identifies with your pain. When you are going through something difficult, it's good to talk to someone who's done the same path. It's, it's, it's frustrating to go up to someone and say, here's what I'm feeling, here's what I'm going through, here's, here's the pressure I have, here's, and they're like, man, I have no context for that, I don't understand that. That's not helpful. It's helpful to go to someone, a wise counselor, and you can say, here's what I'm going through, here's what I'm dealing with, here's this thing in my life, and they say, man, I remember a time in my life where I felt the very same thing. I've been through what you are going through. And if God really was born in a manger, which we believe he was, then we have something that no other religion claims to have, a God who who knows what it's like to be us. 
We have a God who understands our experience. We have a God who understands our pain, our frustration, our temptations, and our struggles. We have a God who knows what it's like to be abandoned by friends, to be crushed by injustice and unfairness in the world. We have a God who knows what it's like to be mocked at and laughed at for what he believes. We have a God who understands what we have gone through and we can talk to him as our wonderful counselor. That's the message of Christmas. That we have a God that when we approach him with confidence like Hebrews says, he says, I know. I know what you're going through. I know what you're feeling. I've been there and I've got you. Now, maybe that terrifies you. Maybe it terrifies you to think that there is a God who knows all of those things about you. Because you, you think, man, I, I don't even tell my spouse those things about me. I don't even tell my, my coworkers, my roommates, my parents, my, my, my kids. I, I, there are things about my life that I hold tight and hold dear, and I would never share those with anyone. Because if people really knew the real me, then they would judge me. They would look at me danger. They would, they would turn their face down on me, and they would never accept me as a human being. And they would always look at me weird. Listen, this is the thing I love about our wonderful counselor. He knows all of those things about you and chooses still to love and accept you. I'm reminded of the story in the New Testament of the Samaritan woman who's at the well. And Jesus walks up to her and she's getting water. And if you don't know the whole story, I'll just summarize. She's getting water and Jesus walks up to her and they have this conversation about worship. And Jesus ultimately just kind of tells her, hey, that you're right, the person you're not living with is not your husband. You have multiple husbands. And she's like, wow, I don't understand how you know this about me. And I love her reaction. She immediately goes back to her friends in Samaria and she says, listen, you need to come and see this guy who knows everything about me. In that moment, for many of us, we would have said, I would have gone back home and been like, hey, there was this guy that knew a lot about me. Don't go near him. He's going to know your stuff. I would have thought that the knowledge of God, the counsel of God would have pushed people away out of fear. But no, the more you are known, the more vulnerable you are to God, the more it draws you into him. So my challenge this Christmas season is let God know you. He already knows. Stop hiding. Stop pretending. Stop wearing a mask. Stop faking it. He knows. He's your wonderful counselor. The second thing is, first he is, he knows you, and the second thing is he is trustworthy. He is trustworthy. In ancient times, a, um, a counselor was someone who would kind of give a king advice in situations. We, we still have these, these people kind of around our presidents now. We have advisors and counselors. But a counselor was someone who, in, in ancient times, if the king was preparing for battle and needed knowledge or information, this person would kind of whisper in their ear, you should do this, you should do this. And the king would be like, yes, I, I trust my counsel. I'm going to do this, right? And, and sometimes those counselors were, were not wise. They were trying to manipulate and get control of the kingdom themselves or, you know, for their own good. But for the most part, the person who was the counselor to the king was incredibly trustworthy by the king. The king trusted them. They, they wanted them there. And it was a person who said, here is what I think is best, and the king would listen. And Isaiah is telling the people of Israel, and he's telling us, there is one who is coming, who was born as a child, and his name was Emmanuel, God with us. And he is a wonderful counselor. He is so amazing and so good and so trustworthy at giving advice and wisdom. His counsel is good. You see, you and I, we wrestle with questions every single day, right? 
Think, think of the myriad of questions that come to our minds as adults, as, as students, as, as children. We, we are always asking questions, maybe not verbally out loud, maybe in our own hearts. Some of those questions are big, like what's my purpose? What, 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 is, what is my life supposed to be about? What am, I, what am I here for? Maybe it's more about something that we've experienced. How do I, how do I deal with this loss? How do, I, how do I move forward? How do I get past this, this snag in my relationship? How do I get past this, this heartbreak, this loss that I've experienced? Maybe it has to do with life decisions. Who should I marry? Where should I live? What job should I take? Should I retire now or keep going? What, what should I do next? How should I do this? Is it the right time or the wrong time? Are my kids going to be okay? Is this the best thing for my kids? Is this what I need? Is this what I need? And we're asking all of these questions. How do I, how do I help my aging parents when I live so far away? And it's just question after question after question. And we're bombarded with these questions each and every day. And Isaiah says there is one who is coming, and he can be trusted to bring clarity to your problems because he is a wonderful counselor. Paul describes it this way in Colossians chapter two, verse two and three. He says this, my God is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God. The mystery of God, he says, what's the mystery of God? That is Christ, and what is Christ? In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Paul says, listen, Jesus, in him is all the wisdom and all the knowledge. He has every answer, thought, advice you could ever, ever want. Every bit of it is in him. There is only one place to go, no matter what the question is, and that is finding Jesus, and the answer is in him. He is both the answer, and he has the answer. He is the wonderful counselor. He's there in the big moments and the small. I can look back over my life. If my wife and I were to sit down and tell our kids or tell you, we would be able to notice that through, through the 20 year, almost years of our marriage, the big moments where we have uh, been wrestling with a question, with a decision and, and not known what to do, God has made it abundantly clear through his son Jesus that this is the answer. And in fact, every, every single time we've sort of changed ministry positions, in fact, over the past year as we, we wrestled with coming here to the Mount and we were debating between multiple churches and praying and seeking the Lord and asking the question, God made it abundantly clear. He gave us the answer we needed that the Mount family was the place we were supposed to be. He is faithful and trustworthy as a counselor in those big moments. And many of you have experienced that. But he's also faithful and trustworthy as a counselor in the small moments. I can't tell you how many times as a leader when I'm walking into a meeting and I know that a big decision is about to be made and everyone's about to look at me and say, what is the decision? And I'm walking in still with a lack of clarity around that decision because I have been trying to figure out the decision all on my own through my own intelligence, through my own experience, through my own strength. And it's in those moments where if I just stop and go to Jesus and say, wonderful counselor, give me some advice, help me with this problem, give me a solution. He is trustworthy and faithful to provide what I need. He is a wonderful counselor. What about you? This Christmas season, is there a, a decision that you are wrestling with? 
Is there a something that is on your heart that you have been going back and forth between and you're unsure of and you're, you're trying everything you can to manufacture the answer that you think is best? You're, you're researching, you're investing, you're, you're doing all the things you can in your own knowledge and your own strength to get to the place where you can confidently make a decision. Let me just give you some advice. Perhaps this Christmas season, it's time to stop leaning on your own understanding and turn to Jesus, your wonderful counselor who whispers in your ear the best advice you will ever need and have. He is your wonderful counselor. I wonder this morning, maybe you're here this morning and your marriage is struggling. And you're like, I don't know what to do. He's your wonderful counselor. He knows exactly what to do. Stop trying to fix it yourself and say, Jesus, I give my marriage to you. Maybe, maybe you are overwhelmed with guilt and shame. And you're like, I just don't know how to handle this. I, I, I've gone to a doctor, I've talked to somebody, I feel like I'm just hiding this stuff from people. He is your wonderful counselor. And he knows how to get rid of guilt and shame. Maybe you're worried about your kids. And you're like, I just... I, We've got this and this and this, and uh, they're falling behind, and this is happening, and they're, they're going to college, they're going to high school, and just, uh, you're just so stressed about them, and you, you've tried everything you can to manipulate the situation and work it out. Listen, Jesus is your wonderful counselor. He can give you advice on your children, and as a parent, he is good. Maybe you're anxious about the future. I don't know what's gonna happen with my job. Like, you know, the economy's tanking, this is happening and this is happening and the recession could be coming and then our housing market is, it's just, everything's a mess right now and I just don't know what to do. Listen, he's your wonderful counselor. He can fix it. Maybe you're unsure about eternity. You know, again, I just don't know. I don't know what's after life. I don't know the answer. I've researched, I've read, I've looked, I've done this, and I just don't know the answer. Listen, Jesus is your wonderful counselor, and he says things about eternity that are trustworthy and true because good news delivered at the right moment can change everything. I love this Psalm 32.8. I'm gonna close with this. It says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. This is God talking to his people. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Let that sink in. There is a God who is such a wonderful counselor that when he looks at you, his loving eye is on you. He sees you and he knows you and he loves you. And I love this when Isaiah says wonderful counselor, he doesn't say that the answers Jesus gives are wonderful. He doesn't say that Jesus is gonna give such great answers that all of our problems are gonna go away and we're gonna be like, wow, what a wonderful person. No, no, he says the very fact of being Jesus, this child is what makes him wonderful. And this Christmas season, let me just give you maybe some encouragement because good news delivered at the right moment can change everything, right? When it comes to Jesus being your wonderful counselor, he may never fix a single problem in your life, but he's wonderful because he's with you in them. His presence in the midst of your difficulties, 
His presence in the midst of your hopelessness, his presence in the midst of your confusion and your chaos, just like those Old Testament Israelites who had to wait 700 years for the fulfillment to finally come. His presence is what matters and he is your wonderful counselor and he is with you. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful that you sent your son to die for us. God, that, that, that so many thousand years ago, you saw the earth and you knew that the only way to make it right was for your son, the king of the universe, to be born in a manger as a baby, born to die for us. God, this morning, we look to Jesus and we are thankful that he is wonderful and that he is our counselor. This morning as we continue praying, maybe you're here today and you're saying, Adam, like, as we move into this Christmas season, if I'm honest, I could really use a wonderful counselor. I've got this going on, I've got this going on, and I just feel maybe like those Israelites did where everything is chaos and everything is just messed up right now and I just feel hopeless and I just need more of Jesus. If that's you, and this isn't like a salvation moment, this is just us confessing as human beings that we need more of Jesus in the midst of our hopelessness. Would you just raise up your hand so we can pray for you? Yeah, hands all over the room. Jesus, I pray for every hand that's raised that you would comfort them, that you would bring about wisdom, you would bring about insight and advice in the midst of their difficulties, God, that you would show them your wonder and your amazingness. For the rest of us, maybe we're here with our hands down now, with our eyes closed. Maybe we're here and we're saying, for the first time in my life, Adam, I, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but I need to. I've been trying to do this thing on my own, make it all up as I go and just kind of live my life. But today I'm recognizing that at left to my own, I'm a failure and I am no good and I need a wonderful counselor to come in and I need to see him for the first time. That baby that is born, that died for me, that rose from the grave, I want him to be the Lord of my life. Today I choose to repent from my sins and turn to him in belief. If that's you with our eyes closed and heads bowed, wherever you are at any campus, would you just slip up your hand right now? Jesus, you are good. Awesome. If you slip up your hand, one of our prayer people is gonna come by and give you a card we'd love for you to fill out. For now, let's stand and let's worship and let's sing about our wonderful counselor.